0: Nava This is my second podcast that I share with you. I do hope you took the opportunity to listen to the first one and that you enjoyed it and that you enjoy this one. Today is July 4th, 2018 and what better topic to explore than yep, you guessed it. Freedom. This freedom we have and enjoy, I will point out, is for the most part misguided and uh, just amounts to something that gets us into a whole lot of trouble with ourselves, with others, with our world, and that it's full of all kinds of uh, ideas that we really have to buy into and believe and accept in order for the whole thing to work out as we wanted to, that uh, if we were to explore the best explanation of this freedom, what it is and uh, where it came from, that especially at our personal level, our understanding of this freedom would increase, but that we might not end up really liking what it has to say about ourselves. Have you had the opportunity lately to talk to anyone about this concept of freedom and what it is and how they're able to express it in their life? If you have, you probably discover that it's something that people are all over the place with. So I'm going to present to you a description of freedom that uh I warn you is uh, gonna be a little bit stretched, but that in the context of the hyper-competitive society that we live in, it's something that it's not at all that far-fetched perhaps. This understanding is something that we very much engage as persons, as uh, independent agents, self-sufficient, self-reliable, Uh, and that others can and do obstruct this ability of us to express this freedom. Granted, it's something that is expressed within uh, the context of living in a civil society. It's a limited kind of freedom due to the social contract that we have with one another that... uh, makes possible us living together without killing each other, and that uh, we have granted a government sufficient powers to intervene in the behalf of uh, all of us so that we can behave like good little boys and girls, and uh, we can pursue within this limited scope uh, all that stuff that will bring happiness and contentment to us in life. So um, it's then a matter of uh, getting more power and control over our life so that we are in full control over the ability to express this freedom, free from others and uh, the kind of stuff that can ruin it for us. When we get this, then we finally Uh, will arrive at a place that uh, we understand as happiness. Like it or not, freedom is a commodity, a resource, and there's only so much of it for us to, uh, to have and for others to have, so we need to obtain as much of it for ourselves as possible. Unfortunately, sometimes it will mean that others will have less freedom so that we have more Sometimes it will also mean that others will have to toil and be under our power and control so that uh, we can have uh, more of this freedom and uh, more of the ability to fully express it. Someday they too can be in a position where they can use others to um, be able to uh, also take full advantage of uh, the possibilities that freedom represents to all of us, then it is uh, it is okay to be in a position uh, where others uh, do contribute to us getting our f- fair share of freedom. Uh, it's just unfortunately a, a matter of uh, the survival of the fittest kind of thing that's in question here. Uh, it's not as if we really, want it to be this way, but uh, it's just the nature of of things, so it is believed when we have power, more money, more time, more control over our life and circumstances, more influence, resources, smarts, more personality, charisma, we have more of the ability to uh, express this freedom to its full potential. You also, like it or not, have arrived at a state of freedom that only the few, only uh, those that fully reap the rewards of their efforts are able to uh, enjoy. Um, All we have to do is just look at the great examples in our society, people that have arrived, people such as Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and Carlos Slim. These are people that could pretty much do what they want to, when they want to, to whom they want to. Uh, And uh, they are pretty much, um, well, they are not bound by the same kind of consequences that normal people are bound to. Hey, sorry, but uh, the equation, whether we like it or not, all of this freedom and its full expression is something like this. More power plus more control equals more time to enjoy freedom and more resources to do so with fewer consequences, perhaps even none. And uh, one more thing, when everything aligns, when you have the alignment of the power and the control and the resources, your mind also aligns with all of that. You have peace of mind, you have less stress, you are calmer, more collected, less anxiety, you sleep better, and most importantly, are happy for you have finally arrived. All right, so what did you think about that? Imagine the kind of thinking that must be accepted, the beliefs that must be accepted, what must be bought into in order for this description of freedom that, as I warned you about, a bit stretched, but I have to share with you, I do know some people that very much believe that this is the correct understanding of freedom in a free society. All right, so where does this leave us? Well, I'll come back to what I consider are the ramifications of this kind of thinking to us, especially at the personal level. But for right now, I think it's worth exploring a little bit of where the kind of freedom that we have in a civil society come from, what we could reasonably trace it back to, About five years ago, Steven Pinker, a professor of psychology at Harvard, wrote a book that you might be familiar with. The name of the book is The Better Angels of Our Nature. In this book, Steven powerfully presents how we have evolved from being very violent as a species to, in recent times, living in the most peaceful time ever in history. This is not a fantasy. It's something that if um, you are not acquainted with, well, uh, I can understand why given all the negative news that we are continually being bombarded with uh, on a daily basis uh, on cable and uh, social media. But this is just uh, uh, a fact. A quote from this book that I liked a lot goes as follows, quote, as one becomes aware of the decline in violence, the world begins to look different. The past seems less innocent, the present less sinister. Stephen Pinker sp- explains why violence has been on a continuous decline for the past 5000 years. To do so, he identifies three factors that uh, among others, but I'll be focusing on these three factors, and especially the first one. The first factor that he points to is how it is that ideology, over time, has played a lesser and lesser role for us. The sway and power that ideology once represented to us that uh, allowed us to uh, buy into beliefs that nowadays are practically almost uh, impossible to buy into, with the exception of a few extremist and uh, perhaps orthodox groups that we could easily identify. So uh, this sway over uh, the course of thousands of years has lessened tremendously. He goes on to say that it's just part of the nature of ideologies that no matter how well-intended, no matter how uh, well-meaning they are at the beginning, at some point they quickly deteriorate into horrific proponents of violence in order to protect the creed, the uh, canon, the key dogma that it uh, represents. We could easily point to in our recent history such examples as the... Christian Crusades that took place between the 11th and 15th centuries. The Spanish Inquisition, 20th century, we can point point to the Nazi regime, Uh, also communism under uh, Stalin in Russia, and in our present day and age, we could point to the Jihadist movement within Islam, keeping in mind that it represents a fraction of the totality of the Islamic world, but nonetheless has caught attention during the last um, few decades. So uh, it is of the nature of ideologies to create in-groups and uh, out-groups. It takes advantage of our need as a species to want to belong to a community, to be part of what others partake in uh, and this fully exploits that vulnerab- vulnerability. Also Uh, When you have groups like that, we have, they uh, have uh, uh, coagulated, right, within a particular ideology, Uh, well, you have an an echo kind of chamber that uh, uh, takes, occurs, where the ideas become more and more polarized, and uh, it makes it easier to have this confirmation bias thing that feeds on itself that's part of the the uh, group the ideology also um, you develop this uh, uh, herd mentality this herb herd type of behavior um, the that group thinking um, that is part of uh, such groups where we don't want to challenge the belief system we don't want to uh, seem as if we are diverging from what others in our group are have accepted and uh, are willing and to live with in addition to that uh, there's the social kind of conformity that goes along that punishes others outside the group that, It's not tolerant to internal challenges and dissension. All right, so I am coming back to this one just because I I think it's so important, but the other two I'll mention briefly. He mentions that, uh, you know, over time we have just gotten smarter. It's harder for us to be duped. It's harder for us to buy into beliefs and uh, dogmas that uh, we can easily question with the information that's available to us that we do have more information to us at our disposal where we could uh, uh, easily, well, just not uh, accept blindly without question Believes that uh, in the past were uh, all too easy for us to accept. Uh, you know, we just didn't have a choice in the matter. Uh, if you think about it, what kind of choice do you think you would have had Let's say if you were in living in Spain uh, during the Spanish Inquisition, uh, and um, you were a well, you know where I'm going, right? If you were not part of the creed, didn't accept the creed, it just was not uh, very much a choice to opt out of that. He also points to um, how it is that uh, the printing press played a significant role in the dissemination of the humanistic kind of uh, philosophy of the time that placed humans as the center of uh, the universe that uh, believed that humans could refer to their own experience and to our ability to use reason in order to understand information and uh, uh, be able to identify patterns in the natural world and uh as a consequence of, of that um well, you know, just uh, uh superstition was eradicated and uh pretty much, and also it was very helpful towards the elimination of the uh, uh practice of of slavery. There's a lot of time that one can spend discussing this, but uh that's a another podcast right now. I just would like to go to the back to the significance of this whole uh, ideology and what it, uh, it does to us. Right, so we no longer on a moment's notice, pack up our gear and join our comrades to head on to the Middle East in order to protect the creed from those that don't believe in our uh, Lord and Savior. We do that now for other reasons such as um, oil and uh, military and economic um, strategic type of um, reasons. We are not as easily swayed by stuff that is just hard to swallow, hard to digest. And uh, that is a good thing, right? But it really amounts to a type of uh, limitation to the kind of freedom that before was easily uh, moved and manipulated, which allowed us as a species to be extremely cruel to one another. Now, as I mentioned, we act on other reasons. Uh, We act on other kinds of information that uh, persuade us to uh, create policy and to take action, but it's not any longer based on The kind of gross uh, ideology that is very difficult to be convinced by. But nonetheless, though, there's something else right here that's pretty interesting. This whole expression of our freedom now, at a personal level, as being part and members of a civil society, now takes on a different expression, right? That still depends on certain. uh, ideas that uh, need to be accepted, need to be bought into in order for the whole thing to make sense uh, for us. I mentioned a long list of uh, somewhat exaggerated right, ideas that uh, some people in uh, our present day and age do have with respect to to freedom. But the important thing right here is that uh, uh, there is a certain imposition on us that comes from the outside that uh, we accept and that uh, restricts and limits the expression of this freedom. But nonetheless, this freedom still has plenty of, um, of uh, a field to express itself and that's what I'll be talking about Now, okay, so we have this external discipline that's imposed on us that we accept, and it restricts our desires, the expression of our wishes, and that's really what it amounts to, doesn't it? We have these rules, and they are based on this judicial system and democracy that we have. And basically there's a list of you can't do's, right? You can't rape and maim your neighbor, take away his possessions and his wife just simply for your uh, satisfaction. Can't do that. It's a big no-no. Uh, all right, so we succumb to this uh, external discipline that uh, restricts what we do, what we're capable to do, even if we want to. And sometimes people do get out of control and obviously they do things that are, uh, break those rules. But what I wish to point here is that uh, we have this scope now, scope, where we uh, chase for the kind of pleasures, the kind of desires, the kind of wants that we are convinced will bring about satisfaction and happiness for us, fulfillment for us. And that's now the focus. Uh, It's uh, very much still guided by the boundaries of the external discipline imposed upon us. Uh, But we have these objects of, um, these goals that we very much wish to go after and do go after and spend most of our life seeking and uh, attempting to uh, bring within our sphere of influence and control, but this in itself depends on something being there present that has to be accepted. What am I? What I'm referring to is that uh, you have to believe that uh, there is a person here that is a an ind- independent uh, being that is able to. Uh, express free will, and that is capable of, and it's the uh, beneficiary and the agent of uh, these objectives and the this wish list that it can, it can, it can express within the bounds of, of our society. Uh, and that is what we buy into and accept. I'd like to share with you that... Uh, both of these concepts are nothing short of an ideology—the same kind of ideology that Stephen Pinker mentions—that in the past uh, took a, a large toll, toll on us as a species, that expressed itself in uh, mass by participating in uh, horrific acts of violence, but now uh, this kind of uh, internal ideology now that is more at the scope of uh, our own experience, our own person takes on a different form, and but the outcome of that is still one of uh, a kind of internal, uh, I'm not going to call it violence, although I'm tempted to, but the expression of that or the outcome of that is that... It amounts to and, and uh, it ends up expressing itself uh, with uh, much uh, unkindness towards ourselves, with uh, a lot of personal aggression towards itself, ourselves that does get, become externalized onto others, that the outcome of that is a kind of violence towards ourselves, and that we become very goal-oriented, we become very... Uh, much focused on what needs to be achieved, what needs to be obtained, uh, because after all, uh, right, that, the accomplishment of that list of things that need to be gotten, need to be brought within our ability to enjoy, represents uh, happiness for this person that we identify with ourselves. Look, I'm not going to spend more time on this. I've spent more time on this than I thought I would, but uh, a couple more things worth noting are the plenty of experiments that have been conducted recently that support that uh, this uh, thing called free will uh, and this uh, idea about uh, who we are as persons, as independent, uh, separate, as self, uh, sufficient and uh, continuous. Well, it's just not like that. No, I'm not saying here that you don't exist as a person, that uh, it's not quite like that. It's more like uh, when it rains. When it rains, you have certain conditions that come into play, certain atmospheric conditions having to do with, with humidity and with heat and with uh, moisture and, uh, and then you have the creation of clouds that manifest because certain conditions are present that allow that manifestation to temporarily exist. And the outcome of that is that we have rain. Well, That is pretty much who we are as people. Uh, That is pretty much what is going on with ourselves. And also with other things, other phenomena that we are able to uh, identify and use because they play a role in our life and we're able to... um, Well, they have some utility, you know, my coffee mug in the morning that I use, that I've been using for years because i managed so far to not break it, I have a certain relationship with that coffee mug and uh, every morning I caress it and what I pour in it brings a lot of uh, satisfaction to me and uh, I have a certain relationship to that coffee mug. but uh, does that coffee mug exist out there in nature uh, as a coffee mug? Uh, no, it exists, you know, in a different kind of way in relation to, to me and uh, what uh, it represents to me and to you perhaps. So, let's backtrack a little bit here. A uh, couple of uh, experiments that might be interesting to, uh, to just note. You might want to look up the so-called robo-rats experiments that uh, where psychologists are able to literally control the action of, of rats simply by altering their body and brain chemistry. They're able to pretty much uh, make these rats do what they want to. Uh, what does that say about uh, free will? It says a lot. It says that perhaps uh, what we end up doing is not so much of our ability to freely choose as if there was nothing there in our environment and the set of conditions that we uh, are there as a given. After all, did you select your mother and father and the kind of um, DNA that uh, you have, you were born with, that you select the uh, nation you were born in, that you select the religion you were born in. Uh, And we can just go down the list, okay? As um, what we have, the givens that we have, what we have to work with uh, are not so much a product of our free will. Uh, it's uh, something that we do work with. Just consider what had to be in place for you as you grew up okay? in order to uh, open the way for you and uh, arrive at this place in time in your life that you... Have right now, the present set of conditions, just imagine, right, uh, from the uh, kind of care and dependency that you had with your mother and with others as you grew up that assisted you, that helped you, that guided you, that shaped you, Uh, the long list of uh, situations that had to be there. Uh, present that were not a product of your free will, that were givens. Uh, just just consider that, because I'm not trying to to convince you here on this uh, particular free will topic. Uh, it's uh, something that's an, it's a large and exhaustive topic, and it's beyond perhaps the scope of this podcast. Uh, not perhaps it is. But uh, I want to bring something else to your attention that you might want to consider uh, about this free will thing. Uh, Consider what we decide to focus on. Consider the attention that we gravitate towards, right? Uh, Because something catches our attention because we're convinced that by us pursuing one given thing or another, one object, one person, one thing, one job, one car, one, uh, you know, drug, one sport, one goal, obje- objective, whatever it is, okay? That uh, uh, by us being able to be enough attentive to that, that some outcome, desirable outcome is going to be us, ours. All right. So, but according to this free will stuff, right, that means that you're pretty much in control over what you decide to focus on. Okay? The power of your ability, your mind to focus and retain that object in your mind and sustain it until you uh, accomplish what you want Right is part of this belief that you have that ability, that capability that it's yours. It's not quite like that, I hate to tell you. And this would be so simple to convince you if you just had And uh, I was there with you. It would just literally take one minute, 30 seconds for me to convince you that the very thing, the very tool, the very mechanism that is so vital and so central to free will uh, as a tool uh, for us to be able to select in our life what we think uh, will provide us with what we want, we're not in control of that faculty at all. For a moment to that person with the severed hemispheres that was shown pornographic images, now that person was not able to recognize what the visual of the brain was being exposed to. There was just no way to be able to talk about it, to refer to it, to to see what role and uh, it played in that person's life, in its history, in its uh, relationship with uh, its own sexuality and the relationships it had with, uh, with people throughout that person's life. There was just no way of referring to that. But the body, the sense of uh, organ that perceived that, there was some uh, impact, some imprint, and that person was able to fill in that gap, that blindness, right, with a story, a fabrication. Now, this is very interesting because I just want you to consider that that is us for the most part, with respect to how we carry about in the world. As the world provides us with uh, all kinds of information that we are attempting to process and put into some perspective, but when it really comes down to it, uh, it's the it's the kind of stuff that, uh, well, it's it's just a bombardment on our sense organs that we are in the dark about but that we are attracted or repelled by or feel indifferent by. And this continuous play of these attitudes towards these sensations, I like this, I don't like that, this feels good, this feels threatening. That feels like a friend. That feels pleasurable. That feels like something I don't want to be bothered with. I'd rather be doing something else. I like this. Oh, that's not so good. Oh, this is going to get me what I want. If I pursue this, I think I will be happy. But that's the kind of story that we create for ourselves that we convince ourselves about, it's, it's, we anticipate, we gravitate towards. Uh, and the interesting thing is that it's not even something that we choose freely. It's just a response to, to the stimulus in our environment that we become habituated to respond in a particular way. And all of a sudden, before we know it, we are down a particular direction, and we are chasing and pursuing something that we are convinced is going to bring to us a certain amount of satisfaction for us. Uh, Well, at, at some point, that becomes exhausted. At some point, that runs out of fuel. And then Uh, It's no longer as fulfilling for us as we uh, thought it was. It didn't last as long as we wanted to. The person left us for somebody else. The person got tired of us. Uh, The car got old and then broke down and we need a new one. Our job is getting boring. It's no longer being fulfilling enough for us. And the list goes on. And then what do we do? right. Well, something else attracts us, something else compels us, and then we're off and running in in another direction. Right? And never are we addressing the nature of things, the nature of, of this pattern, the nature of of these conditions that put us in such a situation to respond like that. But here's the problem. Looking at the nature of that kind of phenomenon requires something that A few minutes ago, I mentioned we just don't currently possess. And that is the ability to remain with our attention on any given experience. Uh, We just don't have that kind of discipline. Why? Because the discipline that we have is, for the most part, exterior. It's something that is imposed upon us. And uh, we know the rules of the game and we know how to navigate the game but when it comes to our own personal experience uh, we do not have the ability the training to be able to remain with any given experience long enough to see its transiency its duration its impact on us we're not able to rest with it enough. And why is this the case you might ask yourself? Well, it's just a matter of something else is going to bombard us as soon as we attempt to settle with any particular object of our experience. Something else, because our senses are continually working, something else will on a flicker catch our attention and uh, almost immediately we're going to develop some response to a, To that which will amount to, okay, this is good, I like this, uh, this is comfortable, this is something that uh, I'm interested in, or no way, this is, uh, I, w- I want to avoid this, I want to destroy this, I want to push this away. Or, you know what, uh, I don't give a damn about this. This is, uh, (laughs) who cares? And that is really our experience internally and externally. Internally, in addition to that, you have the the history, thinking, the memory that uh, is layered on top of these sensations, which uh, are either uh, pleasurable to us or we experience avarice to, or we are indifferent to and the wave after wave after wave of those sensations via our sense organs is overwhelming and there's no disciplined capable uh, i'm talking right here with respect to the normal person right a person that has not really engaged in any mind training at all right the chances of being able to not be swayed by, not being carried by the force of our sense experience is non-existent. eh? As soon as something comes your way that is going to sweep you off your your feet, you're gonna head in that new direction. So we never ever get to really rest with any of our experience long enough to see what in Buddhism is re- referred to as the nature of that phenomena uh whenever or, or you know the wisdom of uh that experience that it reveals to us so what we do normally yeah, right when we get in trouble in life we fix things on the go one thing at a time that uh, is, well, problematic to us. And then we seek to get to the bottom of it, we we seek to resolve it, and we go to therapy, and the therapist talks to us endlessly about how to unravel that particular situation, right? And then once we gain enough, uh, you know, uh, information about that, then we're able to free ourselves from it. And then uh, what do we do? Well, we... Take on a whole new task, right? A whole new engagement. And then that becomes exhausted. It doesn't end up at some point, right? Any longer bringing us any sense or joy or satisfaction to us. And then, right, we hit bottom. It becomes problematic. We develop all kinds of of stories about it, uh, all kinds of scenarios about it, all kinds of what ifs about it. And then what do we do? We go back to the therapist again and try to unravel it again. Well, isn't there another option here? Isn't there something else that we can do? Yes, there is. There is something else we can do. Well, it turns out that there is something that we can do and that it's connected with what Steven Pinker pointed to with regards to the impact of ideology that It has not just at the broad level but at the personal level now he doesn't make this personal connection this is my uh, twist on on it uh, for the purposes of this podcast for the interest of this podcast I thought there was uh, an interesting and worthwhile connection that could be made here so this impact concerning ideology at the personal level, right? It's uh, this view that we have about ourselves, who we are, uh, that uh, this uh, is equivalent to a belief. It's an ideology, a personal ideology about ourselves that uh, warps the freedom that we can express. And it warps it because it's undisciplined. And anything that is undisciplined, well, it's just going to be all over the place. It's not going to have a direction. So here's where the view becomes very important. The understanding becomes very important because this is what provides the uh, direction. and. By direction here, I'm referring to the direction of this uh, superior type of freedom, if I could say that. After all, the topic of this podcast is freedom. And that this kind of freedom takes into consideration certain things about ourselves that Pinker indirectly points to, having to do with ideology that we have this sense of permanence about our own personhood that just does not connect with reality. Uh, there's, I think you know that there is nothing permanent, nothing lasting, nothing continuous about this s- thing that we identify ourselves with that is something that is continually shifting, ch- changing. That uh, because we lack the kind of freedom that should be exercised, our experience is all over the place. And there's no ability on our, on our part to, to uh, balance. The whole range of our experience in a way that uh, leaves us with any sense of satisfaction, with any sense of uh, being able to to rest, and uh, well, that needs to, to be addressed. And uh, that when we consider that uh, our view of ourselves is not as permanent and solid and continuous as we like to believe, that we're left uh, in this kind of territory that could be, well, a bit unsettling, but that uh, that can be uh, something that is very much workable for us with uh, the right kind of training. Now look, I'm really not trying to sell you here on on you know buddhism uh, so that you can buy into and then now you have this new belief system that you're going to accommodate well that would just be another aspect of the danger that spe- stephen pinker points to uh, he says hey ideology period is of a concern to us as a species it has c- placed us in situations that are not good for us we have caused lots of harm to ourselves as a result of buying into dogmas and beliefs that don't align with the information that the world provides us and that when we have better explanations, then we when we consider better explanations, that there is a reduction in the belief in these type of ideologies. Well Here is a kind of ideology, right, that I'm making a connection with, having to do with how we view ourselves and that that can be relaxed. And I'd like to share with you that when we begin to engage this, engage in this kind of relaxation with our own experience, something that the practice of meditation makes available to us, then we begin to consider less the ideology that we have towards ourselves and towards the world and we begin to connect more with our own experience. And by that, you know, experience is a, well, what does that mean, experience? (laughs) How does that play out? By that uh, I mean that it's really more of a matter of connecting with feeling relaxed and into our own uh sense of of body of uh this is what is coming up and uh this is what uh it uh feels like and uh what i'm sensing and let's take a good steady look at that to see what it does when I'm able to Keep my attention with that long enough to see it shift and when we when we learn to to do that we really begin to feel more uh, connected with our own uh, heart with our own soft quality about us, our own sense of vulnerability, our own sense of uh, openness uh, there might even be a quality of uh uncertainty right of, of even perhaps um a little panicky uh kind of thing that should be explored and we could explore that but uh this is very much being able to rest, rest with uh, connect with uh what uh is uh well very soft vulnerable territory for us. But uh, I I want to share with you that uh, it's such an important thing to be able to do that, that we do not allow ourselves to learn how to do that and that uh, the outcome of that is, is indeed a kind of violence that we turn towards our own experience because uh, we start, well, just doing a whole bunch of selecting about uh, what uh, is good about us and what is not and we start focusing in this hyper competitive uh, society that we live in uh, on goals and uh, uh, that we think and experiences that we think are going to improve our situation fundamentally and it just does not work out that way so this is the beauty of the practice of meditation, but also uh, right the importance of being able to know what our starting point is, where are we at, right? what do we have available to begin this journey, and uh, the understanding, the view, provides us with a direction. Um, so I'd like to talk to you more about this much more about this in future podcasts. For now, I think I've gone way beyond the time I thought I was going to dedicate to this podcast. And I want to thank you for your patience. I know I was all over the place. But hey, you know, keep in mind, this is my second podcast only. I'm not an expert on this at all. I just literally said to myself, you know what, why don't you just do this and don't be so shy or... uh you know, ain't no about it. Uh, Just put your best effort forward and put it out there for people. And this is exactly what I'm doing now. So thank you. And uh, please do come back for my next podcast.